Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Inside Strategic Coach Podcast with Dan Sullivan. Dan, I really enjoy our conversations, and I love listening to you as you're coaching or in workshops or just in conversations sometimes at dinner, because you say things, I'm like, oh, I want to talk more about that. And you made a comment in a conversation recently, and you said, the more highly credentialed you are, the more likely you are to ignore your own experience. And I thought that was kind of a fascinating statement. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that and talk about why that's true. I find it true, but the way you put it together was like, bing, just struck in my mind. So why is that true? What's that mean? Well, you know, I mean, first of all, it's a very general statement, and I don't really think that you can make any judgment about any particular individual. But as a group of individuals, I think people, and it's not just credentials, it's the amount of time that you've spent being educated, okay, educated by others. And the other distinction I have to make here is that for 45 years, I've been coaching a particular type of individual who is, by the standards of society, unusually successful without being overly educated or overly credentialed. So (laughs) I've got a very, very great bias towards entrepreneurs. And, you know, the one, I guess, credential that you have as an entrepreneur is that you've taken some resource and moved it from a lower level of productivity to a higher level of productivity. So you have the ability to take things, products, services, situations, anything that you can get your hands on and take that to where it's more valuable in the eyes of other people. And I think that's a really good credential. It's in the value that other people see it because it's more valuable for them that your status, your growth, your success, your rewards all come from your ability to make things more valuable. What I see happening now, and I was born in the 1940s where there wasn't such a huge emphasis on education. I graduated from a class of students who I had spent from first grade to 12th grade with, And I think there were just below 60, maybe 57, 58 students. And my memory was that in the first three or four years, what I knew, there were only seven out of a class of 58 who actually went to college. Part of the reason is we lived in automotive country in northern Ohio. So you had Chrysler, you had Ford, you had GM, and then all the subcontracting companies that supplied the auto trade. And it was a big aeronautical area. It was steel. There were major steel mills within 30 or 40 miles. Cleveland was a big steel city, and you had others. There was a lot of employment available right out of high school where you could start at the bottom. You know, over a career which still in my day was more or less guaranteed lifetime employment that you stayed with it, that was it. And then it changed, you know, it started changing already, I guess, when I went from high school out into the world. But within about a 10-year period, the effects of the Second World War had been overcome by the European countries. You had some of the Eastern countries, especially Japan, that had really rebounded from the Second World War, and they did it with new ideas and new equipment. So they began competing in the American market, and they began competing 
at a time when you had the biggest generation in the history of the United States now looking for scarce jobs. One of the things, and a lot of people don't know this, and it really is connected to Kathy Colby, whose father created the Wonderlic score for basically judging IQ. It's one of two or three major IQ frameworks in which people are tested, and it all came down to a particular court case that happened in North Carolina. It was Duke Power. Duke University is named after the founder of Duke Power. There was a discrimination case, which was a racial discrimination. There was people who were minorities who filed a case against Duke Power that they had been held back and they had not been promoted simply because of their skin color and not because of any kind of credential. They were equally qualified with people who got promoted and they weren't. And this went right to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled against Duke Power. And immediately every major corporation, Duke was in the Fortune 500 And right off the bat, right across the entire ranks of all the Fortune 500 companies in the U.S., they said, okay, we're not going to end up in the Supreme Court because of an issue like this. So what we're going to start using is the university system to sort out who's got the credentials. And then you see the enormous movement of individuals towards university to go through and finish, you know, a four years, usually bachelor's and then sometimes graduate school as we've gotten into it. And the fact that you stayed for four years in a university, you did the classwork, you took the test, you got your degree, that was your credential. And then it was in particular areas that we were looking for. And that's the big shoot here, but it had nothing to do with capability. It had nothing to do with what you could actually do with your learning. It had to do with the fact that you had a credential. And that credential immediately moved you ahead in society. But people were getting their credentials in the 1970s were probably more guaranteed to be competent than someone 40 years later who's going through university now and gets a bachelor's degree. Bachelor's degree tells you absolutely nothing whether the person is any good. It tells you that they can put up with boredom. It tells you that they're disciplined enough to stick with something for a long time. But being able to put up with boredom, being able to operate more or less within a bureaucratic system and go through the steps and finish and get a piece of paper, that really in the second decade of the 21st century doesn't tell you anything about this person's ability to actually create value. And I recognize that because except for the fact that I went to a particular type of college, I myself probably wouldn't have gotten a college degree. I don't like other people's schools. I like my own school (laughs) a lot better. You know, a strategic coach is a school for people who just want to grow for the rest of their life. And I've given an enormous amount of thought to it, not just when I started coaching in 1974, but I have notebooks from the time I was 20 years old, which was 1964, that I wanted to create a new type of educational system which was based on the concept that people had experiences and then had an ability to think about their thinking 
as they were going through that experience, and then they derived unique lessons and created unique action systems for themselves that actually made them more than competent out in the marketplace. It actually made them kind of really uniquely creative, uniquely productive in a way that someone else who had spent 10, 15 years in today's world, maybe 22 or 23 years in the credential factory, and they got all sorts of credentials, but there's absolutely no proof that they have any capability to do anything except what they were taught. Mm -hmm, That's so true. I don't know. That's sort of my thesis here. We're at a point now where this credentialism is actually being questioned a great deal more than it was in the 70s, 80s, 90s. It was, you know, you go away, you'll get paid for it. Doesn't matter how much money you spend on your university education. It's like a mortgage, you know, a mortgage in a good real estate district. Doesn't matter how much you borrow, doesn't matter how much you take on, you're going to get repaid down the road. And it's not so clear that that's true Mm -hmm. anymore. Well, I think that when people buy into credentials and buy into that educational system, whatever it might be, that they are less likely to pay attention to their own experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of an interesting perspective. And it's so fun because I do have a university degree. But as we were talking about in preparation for this episode, I was happy going to university once I realized I was only there to learn what other people already knew, or as you put it, what they thought about what they knew. (laughs) But I wasn't going there for any new ideas. I wasn't going there for any innovative thought. And once I recognized that, I could get through it, but otherwise it was boring. And then a coach, as you say, it is a school for really Mm -hmm. paying attention to your own experience. And that, in our experience at Coach with our clients, is really what has them be so incredibly successful, is they don't overstep it. They don't put someone else's ideology on top of what Mm -hmm. they know works or doesn't work. So as a result, they're so much more capable than other people. We live so much in this environment that, you know, we more or less take it for granted this is how the world actually operates. But actually, very, very few people operate in a purely entrepreneurial fashion, namely that you're totally responsible for your own financial security. Not only that, but you're responsible for the success of your clientele, your customers, you're responsible for the team members who actually work inside your organization. You take responsibility. I know I think about it a lot, that their families will be okay. So there's an enormous taking on of responsibility. And every quarter, actually every 30 days, you get a report card on whether your notion of creating value out in the marketplace is a correct bet. And it's a bet. And one of the things that I would say is that Entrepreneurs, even the least creative entrepreneur who depends on being able to bring in money through their own intelligence and through their efforts, but the entrepreneurs that I've seen, you know, just by who we are and who we attract, we really attract really, really smart, adaptable, very creative, very flexible, very self-transforming individuals. I mean, compared to the rest of the world, we've got the cream of the crop in Strategic Coach. But even entrepreneurs that I meet at conferences who we wouldn't really have inside Strategic Coach, just based on the fact that they've taken a bet on themselves, that they can go out into the marketplace 
and go face to face. There's three things you have to come face to face with in the marketplace. One of them is the pricing mechanism of the marketplace, that people will pay you for what they think you're worth. They will pay you for what they think your creativity is worth. And there is no other determinant. And a lot of people would like about five credentials between themselves (laughs) and the pricing mechanism of the marketplace. And they'd like to be guaranteed that all their education is going to be paid off almost like a formula. So they're not betters. The vast majority of people are not betters. They want a guarantee. So that introduces a totally different mindset. You're not guaranteed anything as an entrepreneur, so you got to be very alert. You have to be very curious about what's going on out there. You have to be very, very responsive to new requirements and new demands, and you have to be very, very resourceful about taking limited resources that you have and maximizing the value of those. That happens as a result of unpredictable changes around you. So it's a totally different game. I really haven't spent much time with the credentialed world at all, just to be an observer from the outside. But it just seems to me that the people who bet on their own experience, they bet on their understanding of their own experience and are willing to take the judgment of the marketplace and subject themselves to a scorecard, which is called profit or loss, and then they actually use their profits to actually create property for themselves, the most important one being intellectual property, that they come up with ideas whose value goes way beyond their individual performance. They actually have ideas and new processes, new formulas that actually work in the marketplace. And, you know, the people in today's world who have bet on themselves in that way are cultural heroes, at least in the United States they are. Mm -hmm. I love that. Dan, you also talk about when you first meet someone, you have a personal check that you do. Mm -hmm. Is someone growth-oriented or are they Mm status-oriented? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, if someone needs to get credentials because that will help them be successful in their marketplace, that's cool. But if they're doing it just for status, then you know that's not someone that has the right mindset for coach, for example. I'm not against credentials because I use them for the success of my business. I'll tell you two credentials that I have. I have both an American passport and a Canadian passport. (laughs) And these are two credentials that have stood me very well in operating a business both in Canada and the United States, but then also being able to go to the UK, which recognizes American and Canadian passports. There are certain credentials. If you own something, you've got ownership proof. We have intellectual property, we have trademarks, we have patents, we have copyrights. Those credentials I believe in because without those credentials, you don't have a say. But a credential that, because you have a credential, means that you have a capability is other people betting on you. I don't see any real proof that the mere achievement of a credential actually is respected in the pricing mechanism of the marketplace. Mm -hmm. It might get you in the door, but it's not going to tell you what happens after you go through the door. Mm -hmm. That's a really, really good point. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So how can people 
if you got credentialed, as we both have, how can people really, if they're stuck in that mindset or if they're hanging out with people in that mindset, how can they really focus in on paying more attention to their own experience or giving equal or more validity to that in terms of if people are in that kind of shift or, again, spending time with people or their own experience? I mean, I think the entire Strategic Coach program is really about how to pay attention to your own Mm -hmm. experience and learn from it. Mm -hmm. What's a quick, simple step that someone could take to get started? Have goals. (laughs) I think goal setting is the number one vehicle that sets up a learning process where it's clear cut. You either achieve the goal or you don't achieve the goal. And then your honesty about that, that if you achieve the goal, you have an honesty to go back and say, well, what did we actually achieve here that's repeatable in the future? You know, And can I teach other people how to do this so that there's parts of it next time that I don't have to do? So this is our who, not how formula. Mm -hmm. I've done, if I started, you know, really childhood, I had a passion for seeing the experiences I was going through as something I could stand above and I could actually look at how I had actually done this almost like I had a movie of myself and I could run it from the beginning and I was fascinated with how I thought about things as I was actually doing them and then I asked myself questions what really worked about this so that's a what we call an experience transformer and what I learned that is repeatable what didn't work so well where I have to actually change things I have to either not get into that situation again, or I have to approach it totally differently. And for me, I caught on to this very early in life, and I'm not talking about in my teens or 20s. I think I had this one pretty well nailed before I was 10 years old. But I was kind of alone with this, because there was no one else who, from my observation, seemed to be doing this, because it would show up in conversation. And one of the things I've noticed is conversation is the great teaching mechanism where you can sort out really quickly what someone else is striving for. Are they striving for status or are they striving for greater growth? And you can hear it in terms of what they talk about. And a lot of people talk at the level of things. They want to have things in their life. Usually they're material things. And that if you have a lot of these things, that gives you a status. And other people talk about people because if you know certain people, that gives you a status. And then thoughts, that there are thoughts which are more or less dominant in the media, in culture at any given time. And if you show a knowledge about these thoughts, you know, you could go down the list of the last week's news media, and there's five or six major things. And where you stand on these and everything kind of determines your status or your acceptability to other people. But things and people and thoughts don't have anything to do with thinking. Mm. Thinking is that you can observe how you are actually experiencing your own life. So when you're confronted with someone else's thought, you say, well, would that work for me? I don't care who's teaching me it. First of all, is the person teaching me it, do they actually operate that way? So that's one thing I want to know. And I notice an enormous number of 
educated, credentialed people have a private, personal life that in no way demonstrates what they learned. What they learned is on a sheet of paper on the wall. You know, there's a wardrobe that goes along with that. There's a lifestyle that goes along with that. There's outward manifestations, but it gives you no indicator whether the person has a moment-by-moment, experience-by-experience capability that's come from any of their learning. So for me, it's all personal, you know, and that's what I noticed, that entrepreneurism is a far more individual, personal way of existing on the planet. Other people are in a group, you know, their group who went to a particular university. They're in a group that lives in a particular neighborhood. They're in a group that belongs to certain clubs. It has nothing to do with you as an individual, okay, other than you learn the rules and how to conform, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but you didn't learn the rules and how you personally create. And entrepreneurism is the area of life that covers all activities that could cover the arts, it could cover technology, it could cover any area of sales, any area of creating new services, creating new solutions. And what I see is that I'm never ever introduced by what I studied in my educational system, you know. I'm introduced by the thousands and thousands of examples that we have in Strategic Coach. Oh, people from Strategic Coach, you know, Ari Mizell, who's a great favorite of mine, and Ari is a genius at finding shortcuts for people to get bigger results, easier, faster, cheaper, and produce bigger results. And he says, I can always tell strategic coach people from everybody else that I deal with. And he said, the thing I know is that somebody's coming out of strategic coach and they want to use my services, they always walk in knowing exactly what they want. And he said, and the other thing is they're incredibly coachable. And number two is they'll turn on a dime if they see a better way of doing something. So he said, that's not usual. Mm-hmm. They don't fight you with what they think they already know. They listen to what you say and say, oh, that's a really different way of proceeding. And if they do argue, they argue after they've tried it out. <laughs> they've they come back and say, well, it kind of works, but I noticed this. And then Ari gets rewarded because he finds out new things for himself. That's a wonderful, it's kind of like a dance. It's a dance to music that's actually being created. Mm-hmm. So it's jazz. It's kind of like a jazz type of activity. I love it. Dan, I really love this distinction because it explains so many conversations I've had, people I've spent time with, people I don't enjoy <clears throat> spending time with. And I just, to my mind, getting even clearer direction about how to always be in that mindset, creating value direction is <clears throat> incredibly useful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.